Welcome back, everyone, and thank you for joining us for today's podcast from Dublin First Baptist Church in Dublin, North Carolina. We hope you'll be encouraged today as you listen to our message. For more information, please visit our website at www.dublinfbc.org. That's www.dublinfbc.org. Now let's join the congregation of Dublin First Baptist as we listen to the preaching of God's Word. All right, will you turn back to Acts chapter 15 with me where we were reading just a moment ago. Acts chapter 15, verses 32 to 41. Last week we learned in the first part of chapter 15 uh, about all that was going on. Uh, There was some people that came up to the church in Antioch and and they were preaching false doctrine. And then if you remember, uh, the church uh, sent Paul and Barnabas uh, down to Jerusalem with a a contingent there to see what was going on. And um, Satan's plan to attack the church and their great commission efforts through false doctrine, it was defeated by the church depending on guidance and truth from God's word and from the Holy Spirit. Uh, At the beginning of the passage we read together earlier this morning, starting in verse 32, we find Paul and Barnabas and Judas and Silas, they're back up at the church in Antioch. They didn't just drop off the letter and then get things settled. Uh, They stayed there for a little bit. We are taught in this section of Acts uh, a lot about what disciple-making in the church is to look like. Um, By God's design, it happens through plural mentors, and also through personal mentors. Making disciples is a ministry of mentoring. Before we study this passage verse by verse, let's go to the Lord and ask Him to lead us through it. Father, uh, we come to You now. uh, As we've sung the truth of Your Word, we now come to study it, and Lord, also to respond to it. And so, as uh, Your Holy Spirit illuminates the truth that we have here at the end of chapter 15. I, I, pray, uh, I pray what I've been praying in the last few days, that uh, everyone here who's, uh, who's going to be listening, that their hearts would be yielded to the work of the Holy Spirit, uh, not just the illumination, the understanding of the truth you have for us here, um, but also his ministry of calling us to change anything that might need to be changed in our perspectives or in our attitudes or in our actions. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So the uh, first part here, verses 32 to 35, it's a great reminder that disciple-making in the church, it happens through plural mentors. The first ones that are talked about there are Judas and Silas. We see the ministry of Judas and Silas. Verse 32, these two men uh, who were sent up with Paul and Barnabas from the church in Jerusalem to deliver that decision that we learned of last week. They're described here in verse 32 as prophets. And it says that for however long that they were both here at the church in Antioch, they both, both of them ministered through their spiritual gift of prophecy. Now exactly what prophecy means uh, here in this text is described in the rest of verse 32. It says they exhorted the brethren with many words. They encouraged them. And they confirmed them. Literally, they, they strengthened the Christians who were at the church in Antioch. Uh, that sounds a lot like preaching and teaching. A lot like we're going to learn that Paul and Barnabas had been doing uh, for years and would continue to do according to verse 35. But uh, it's a little bit different 
than what we might experience here in our church uh, in our day. We've got to remember that at this point, it is likely that none of the New Testament had yet been written. I am sure that they used the Old Testament as a resource in their teaching and, and preaching, especially those passages in the Old Testament that point to Jesus Christ and, and connect uh, with Christ. The gift of prophecy uh, in the early church was to teach what they had learned directly from Jesus and directly from the apostles until our New Testament was completed. Uh, we know that they ministered this way for a while because verse 33 says that they had tarried their uh, space. Uh, but this was not their local church. This wasn't Judas and Silas's local church. It was time from them, uh, time for those who sent them here um, in Jerusalem, it's time for them to come home. Uh, now, you may or you may not have a verse 34. The King James, New King James does. Newer English translations are based off a different set of ancient manuscripts that don't include this verse. Uh, I think it's important enough to this whole event to mention it here so that we can understand everything that's going on. Verse 34 says, notwithstanding, it pleased Silas to abide there still, to abide at the church in Antioch. See, for some reason, Silas felt led of the Lord to remain here in the church at Antioch, at least for a little longer. And we're going to learn why that was all part of God's plan a little later this morning. But now let's look at verse 35 and see the importance that God places on disciple-making happening through plural mentors. It's not just Judas and Silas. We also have the ministry of Paul and Barnabas. They had just been ministered to by Judas and Silas, but then verse 35 says that Paul and Barnabas also continued in Antioch. Uh, before the whole uproar uh, over doctrine that we uh, looked at last week, over how we're saved um, in the first part of chapter 15, prior to their trip down to Jerusalem, Paul and Barnabas had just gotten back to the church in Antioch from their one to two year mission trip abroad. Do you remember that? And verse 35 tells us that they remained here with the church in Antioch that had set them out on that mission trip as well as down to Jerusalem. And these two men also helped the Christians here at this church. They were teaching, it says in verse 35, and preaching the word of the Lord. And that's not all, is it? What does verse 35 close with? And many others also. That's incredible. That's awesome. The church in Antioch, it was blessed with multiple individuals who were spiritually gifted in making disciples the way that Jesus told us to in Matthew 28, the Great Commission, go ye therefore and teach all nations, or as you are going, make disciples. Disciple making in the church was happening here through plural mentors, and that is God's design, um, and not just for them. It's what he wants us to be doing as well, right here at Dublin First Baptist. I'm so glad it does, amen? amen. That, that in just, uh, you know, about half an hour, we'll have Sunday school class here, and, and ones for different ages and different stages of people's walk with the Lord all throughout this building. I praise God that um, tonight uh, there'll be teaching, there'll be disciple-making that goes on in Awana with our little ones. And Pastor Daniel will take our teens and, and amped um, that we'll have an adult Bible study here on Sunday evening. I praise the Lord that on Tuesday our ladies meet together to study God's Word uh, through a plurality of teachers. That, that on Saturdays our men meet to discuss uh, a section of God's Word that they have been studying all week. That on Thursday evening 
We have men mentoring men in our iron sharpening iron basketball outreach. I'm glad it's not me talking all the time. Rodney's giving a devotional. Richard Sivet. Scott's doing it. Alan. Uh, praise the Lord. We have to be doing that. <laughs> if we're going to obey the great commission that Jesus gave us, and we are, but we need you to be involved too. Do you realize that there was a, a time in my life I thought I would never, man, I will never teach. I will never preach. You remember that, Dad? You remember your first times up there? Ooh, I pity the church who was up here, you know, when I was up here for my first time. I was going through messages this week. I had some, I had my one I was, that I preached in the gym when y'all voted on me. That's a doing of the Lord right there, that, that I'm still here today after, after I looked through that monstrosity. Uh, we need new teachers. We need helpers <laughs> if we're going to make disciples God's way. Disciple-making in the church happens through plural mentors. I, I can't do it alone. Um, our, our Sunday school teachers can't do it alone. Uh, Mom and dad, you can't do it alone at home. You need the church. Um, Mom and dad, the church can't do it alone. Grandma and grandpa, you, you, you are your, your kid's first pastor. You got them way more than we do. Happens through plural mentors. That, chapter 15 ends, God also teaches us that disciple-making in the church happens through plural mentors. Uh, there's another mission trip mentioned here. We find out about that in verses 36 to 38. I have to tell you, I have been anxiously, uh, excitedly waiting to get to this passage for a few weeks now. Ever since we learned um, during that first mission trip, we learned that John Mark departed. It was pretty short. That's all we learned. Verse 36 says that, and some days after, Luke is never really specific with time in the book of Acts. Um, and some days after, Paul said unto Barnabas, let's go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. Now, a few weeks back, I told you that probably the one thing uh, I am most burdened about as um, we go through the book of Acts and you and, you and I really latching onto uh, is that Great Commission involvement, doing what Jesus told us to do, it is so much more than just sharing the gospel with the lost, what you and I might call uh, evangelization. That is definitely an aspect of disciple-making, no doubt. That's how disciples begin, but that's only the beginning of making disciples. It's only the beginning of our Great Commission involvement. Making disciples, as Pastor Daniel said in his prayer just a few moments ago, it is a life long endeavor. Uh, being involved in the great commission that Jesus gave us, it has to do with you and I uh, helping people who have trusted in Jesus as their Savior grow in their relationship with Him just as much as it does leading them to Christ in the first place. And that is clearly evident once again here in verse 36, because Paul feels led of the Lord to go on another mission trip. And here he presents the idea to his partner Barnabas, his partner from the first go-round. And then what does verse 36 say is the purpose of this mission trip? Well, Paul's intent is to visit the brethren. Who are those? They're Christians. To visit the brethren. In every city where we have preached the gospel, preached the word of the Lord, because we want to see how they do. Now, I have no doubt that uh, at every opportunity, this mission team would share that opp opportunity to seize it to share the life-giving, life-transforming, 
eternal life-giving gospel of Jesus Christ with, with anybody they came in contact with who, who didn't know him as Savior. There's, there's no question. But that's not the reason they're going. Uh, they're still going to make disciples. They're still going, involved in the Great Commission, fulfilling it. Uh, they are going so that they can visit those who had been saved on their first mission trip and to make disciples of them. They're going to see how they do, it says. And God had used Paul and Barnabas to plant churches in, in Cyprus and Antioch and Pisidia and, and in Iconium and Lystra and Derbe. And these were all churches who were comprised completely of very new young believers. I think we get a glimpse of Paul's pastoral heart here. You know, he wants to make sure that they have the opportunity to grow in their faith. He wants to make sure that they understand God's Word so that the, the Holy Spirit can use it in their lives to conform them to the image of Jesus and to get them going on mission as well, to get them multiplying. And then we learn in verse 37 that Barnabas, he's all in with this idea. Yeah, let's do it again. But he wants to bring along his cousin, John Mark. You know, if you remember, John Mark had started out with them on the first mission trip. Um, he was with them when they traveled through the island of Cyprus. But when they got to what is modern-day Turkey, Asia Minor, it said Mark returned home. That's what we learned a few chapters back. We are never told why Mark turn, returned home. There is all kinds of speculation uh, by theologians, but, but nowhere in God's Word are we told the exact details. We just know that he returned to Jerusalem from that first mission trip much earlier than Paul or Barnabas did. And we know this from this section of God's Word. We know that Paul did not approve. He did not approve of that happening on the first mission trip. And Paul did not approve of John Mark going on this one. Verse 38 says, But Paul thought not good <laughs> to take him with them who had departed from them from Pamphylia and went not with them to the work. So it's clear that, that Paul didn't think the reason that Mark left their trip early the last time was a good reason, whatever that reason was. Some have speculated that they all got sick with malaria uh, when they arrived to the coastal areas of, of Turkey there. Maybe, maybe, maybe Mark got more ill. Um, maybe, maybe Mark said, I don't want to experience anything like that again. Um, some have said that maybe John Mark's mother fell ill uh, and it's thought that it was her house that was in Jerusalem where Jesus and his disciples held that last Passover meal. And maybe he returned to Jerusalem to care for her. The reality is we just don't know. And God's word doesn't see fit to give us those details, so there's no real point in getting too hung up on it. The bottom line here is that Paul and Barnabas, they want to go on another mission trip. They want to keep doing what Jesus has commanded us all to do and Barnabas, he's determined, it said in verse 37, to bring along John Mark. Uh, Paul's determined that's not going to happen. Paul's not going to have that. So now what? This could be another problem. This could be something that would destroy, uh, cause division, and another uh, thing to deter the Great Commission from powerfully continuing on. But what we see instead here in verses 39 to 41 is another mission trip multiplied. Well, verse 39 calls this whole situation a, a contention. That's a strong word, and, and it was. Both of these guys, 
Paul and Barnabas, they both were sticking to their guns because they felt led of the Lord a very particular way. Uh, as I've been studying this over the past few weeks, one commentator on this passage said that, that one of them had to be right and one of them had to be wrong. I'm not so sure that's the case. Um, what we do know from verse 39 is that Paul and Barnabas split up. But to do what? To do what? They both went on mission, didn't they? Hey, that's not a negative result right there. Barnabas took Mark, it says, and they set sail to Cyprus, where Barnabas grew up. And Paul took Silas, the one who God had led to remain in Antioch for a while, and verses 40 to 41 inform us that they headed to where Paul grew up, in Cilicia, in Syria, to make disciples in the churches that they planted on their first trip. So all in all, the result of this whole thing is a good thing. It's another mission trip multiplied. Now we've got two teams who are now headed out to make disciples. So praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And in all of this, we see that by God's design, disciple-making happens in the church not through just plural mentors, but also through personal mentors. Let's say, let's say that Mark abandoned them on their first trip for the worst possible reason. Maybe he got scared. Maybe he just wanted the comforts of home. So then is that it for him? He's just done? But for the rest of his life, he can't have any more opportunities to, to serve God and to do what God has called us all to do? It's in these verses that we see Barnabas' heart for his cousin. We were introduced to Barnabas way back in Acts chapter 9. Um, the same chapter where Paul gets saved. Right after Paul was saved, he headed to, a, he headed to church. But the Christians there were less than welcoming of him. <laughs> That's understandable for this persecutor, now turned preacher. It's understandable, but it's not right. And then along came Barnabas in Acts chapter 9. You know what his name means? Literally means son of encouragement. And the, this guy lived up to his name. It says in Acts 9 that he took Paul under his arms there at church, and, and he vouched for his new life in Christ. I know what he had done before, but, but he's met Jesus, and this is a new creation. Barnabas is doing the same thing here in Acts chapter 15. He's offering Mark a, a second chance He's encouraging Mark to continue on in his faith in Jesus and to do what Jesus has called him to do. And aren't you glad that we serve a God who is big on second and third and thousandth chances? I am. And that's not to say Paul is wrong here. Uh, in doing what Paul did, Paul brings on board Silas. He's exposing another Christian to great commission opportunities that are out there. He's getting another believer passionate about missions. And I agree with Charles Ryrie and what he says in his study Bible about all of this. This is not a doctrinal division or contention. It's about practicality. It's really about personality. And disciple-making happens in the church through personal mentors who have personalities. I'm sure you understand that some people, they just jive easier with one person than they do others. Um, there's a personality connection that you might have with that individual that you don't find as easy 
to create or maintain with others. Do you know what the church of Jesus Christ is? It's a family. It's a family. Uh, the church of Jesus Christ is full of personalities. I won't call anyone out, but I'm looking at a lot of personalities here. And you are too. <laughs> Characters. Our church has a lot of character. Yeah, we're a family. Think about your, your literal physical family. I mean, you've got the same genetics. You've got the same DNA. Are there ever differences there, differences in personality? Last Sunday, we went to Charles Ray's house for Isabella was having a birthday party. And uh, before lunch, we were sitting at the table, and I think Ashley and Emily were there. And Emily was sharing this story. I asked her permission, so she said it's okay to share this because it was a perfect example. Uh, this, she was talking, I think, when she was in high school, and maybe they were coming back. Uh, she was in the car with Susan with her mom, and they were coming back into E-Town for something after volleyball practice or something. And there's this big billboard there that has this Big Mac on it, right? You know, the three layers and all that Thousand Island stuff. And Emily just got done with, you know, practice, and, and she's like, she remembers seeing that thing at a stoplight, and she was like, yeah. And at the same time, Miss Susan, her mom, she was like, I don't know how anybody could eat that kind of slop. And Emily said to us there, she said, I was just thinking, how am I her daughter? <laughs> you know, we're so different. So yeah, the church is full of different personalities, and it's full of different ministry passions. Thank God for that. That's an important feature for our deacon boards and committees. You know, God says in Proverbs eleven fourteen, there is strength in a multitude of counselors. You know what there's not a lot of strength in? A multitude of yes men. You don't need that. And please understand, whether it's Paul and, and uh, Barnabas here, or, or our deacon boards, or our committees with different personalities and different ministry passions, they all have one mind. They all have one purpose. But these are places in our church where different people with different personalities and different ministry passions, they can find an opportunity to serve and lead us to make disciples together. I know that um, no matter how I sign up out there in the hallway, Pastor Daniel and the Children's Committee, they are not going to have me leading crafts in VBS. You will have kids with popsicle sticks glued to their appendages. That's not going to happen. Tissy's very gracious, but most of the time if I'm in the kitchen, it's to wash or dry dishes, and that's just as far as it needs to go. Um, even with our differences, because of our differences, are we still not ministering and making disciples together? Yeah, yeah, we are. And when it comes to, when it comes to more specific or particular, uh, we could say smaller, purposeful disciple-making efforts, like being on a mission team together like we're having here, well, yeah, personalities and ministry passions, they need to probably be a little more parallel in order for things to work right. If crowded, here's an example, if crowded urban environments and um, you having an easy time being super flexible, if those aren't your things, well, a mission trip to our sister church in New York probably isn't for you just yet. But can you not make disciples a thousand other ways, ways that God has designed for you to do and gifted you? And I hope you realize that, that what we're being taught here is that we can love. <laughs> we can love all of our brothers and sisters in Christ even though we just naturally connect with a certain type of people differently than others. And yes, there are instances when you may need to expand 
out of that box, out of your comfort zone. But God has created you intentionally and purposefully with a personality. God has given you uh, personal ministry passions and personal talents that are different than those he has given your brothers and sisters in Christ. And that's not just okay, that is intended by God, by his design. You know, we don't hear anymore for the rest of the book of Acts about Barnabas uh, or John Mark after chapter 15. For, for that matter, we don't hear any more about Peter. Uh, from here on out, Luke mainly records the missionary efforts of the Apostle Paul. But that doesn't mean that, that Paul, uh, that, that Barnabas and Mark, that they weren't still ministering. Um, we, we're not going to know until heaven how many people and how many generations were impacted for Jesus Christ through the efforts of Barnabas and Mark and Peter. Um, we do know this, God would later use Mark to pen the gospel of Mark as Peter communicated to him about the life of Jesus Christ. And we find out that Paul later commands uh, the church of Colossae in the book of Colossians, he tells them, receive Mark as a partner in ministry. You know, Paul wrote uh, the book of 2 Timothy. He wrote that letter very near the end of his life before he would be martyred. And would you listen to what Paul writes about John Mark in 2 Timothy 4.11? Paul writes, only Luke is with me. And he tells Timothy, get Mark and bring him with you because he is helpful to me in my ministry. Church, you know, decades later, Paul was only able to write that. Paul was only able to ask Timothy to get Mark because here in Acts 15, Barnabas got Mark. And how we need some Mark getters in the church of Jesus Christ today in our disciple-making efforts. I'm so glad that my history has had some Barnabases, that I've had some plural mentors, personal mentors that gave me additional chances what about you? Aren't you thankful for that? We have one assignment until Jesus Christ calls us home, until he returns for us. We are to make disciples. Uh, are you a disciple? Have you ever asked Jesus to be your Savior? Can you look back at the time in your life when in prayer you confessed your sins to God and you told God that you're trusting only in who Jesus is and what he's done for you to forgive your sin and give you eternal life? If you've never done that, do that this morning. Do it right now, even as I'm talking. If you've got questions about what that means, don't let this day go by without getting an answer. Text me, call me, look at the back of your bulletin, look on our website. It tells you what it means to be saved. You have, Christian, you have an assignment to make disciples. And the church can only do it through plural mentors. Um, so how are you right now involved in making disciples? Who are you helping come to Jesus or continue in Jesus? Because God has designed you uh, with uh, a personality because he wants you to be a personal mentor to disciple others. He created you that way and with a, a, a specific passion to serve him. And maybe he's been moving you lately to get more involved. Maybe he's laid a, a John Mark on your heart that he wants you to go get this morning. As Daphne comes and, and leads us in our time of invitation, um, however the Holy Spirit has spoken to you this morning and urged you to respond to God's word, I just ask that you'd obey.